Welcome back to Four and Toe Podcast, where moms can find encouragement on their journeys through homeschooling. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and this is episode 26. Today, we're going to have part two of my interview with Heather. If you missed part one, be sure to go back and listen to episode 25, which is part one of my conversation with Heather, and then come back and listen to part two in this episode. In the last episode, she was telling us about her three children who have special needs. Heather was such a great source of information and encouragement that just talking about her first two sons, she had so much to share. So today's episode, we're going to finish up that interview as we learn about her third son and his struggles and how she has helped him overcome them. Be sure to stay tuned after the interview to find out some very important information about the homeschool conference that I have coming up in April. Oh, and just to clarify, at the beginning of this part two, Heather mentions the CC community. For those who aren't familiar, CC community stands for Classical Conversations Community. Classical Conversations is another form of homeschooling, and I have an episode about Classical Conversations. If you look up episode 17, I had a conversation with Molly from the Modern Homeschooler podcast, and she explained to us what Classical Conversations is and how she uses that curriculum and teaching style with her children. So without further ado, here's part two of my conversation with Heather. Enjoy. So my last guy is, he's 11. Okay. Um, and I, I do think that he's the, the one that maybe more people would identify with. So um, John Mark was also adopted. Uh, he came to us when he was a teeny, teeny, tiny three-month-old. Oh. He's been diagnosed with um, uh, dyslexia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia. And we laugh and we say he's got three disses because... <laughs> <laughs> And we did pursue testing uh, for him. Now, I, I do believe that kids learn to read on their own timetable, mm-hmm. um, but he definitely had some hallmarks early on that led me to think that this was not a normal progression. He struggled a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and having had the experience with Jack that we had already had, um, I did feel comfortable looking into some, uh, some testing. And we were very purposeful in, in how we did that. So uh, he got the diagnosis and, you know, it, it hasn't, again, really changed how we deal with things, but it does give us the wording to help him. He is my kid that's most aware of his challenges. Um, and he is the one that does take it more to heart. Part of that is that he has a nine-year-old sister who is very proficient and very capable and and also just loves learning for learning's sake, mm-hmm. which means that she's in fourth grade ish homeschooler. <laughs> um, she can do mostly sixth grade stuff. Yeah, he should be hypothetically if he were in a classroom, you know, he would be a sixth grader. But you know, he does a lot more of a mix of kind of fourth and fifth grade. Yeah. Um, so he's very aware. Um, he gets frustrated really easily. You know, it's, it's very difficult for him, uh, to acknowledge that this is, you know, this is how it is. Um, and we've tried really hard to balance that with him. He does have some exceptional strengths and I try very hard to kind of keep him focused on those, 
while keeping him slogging through the stuff that he has to do. Mm-hmm. So. so I I know what dyslexia is. I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. just assume that a good chunk of my listeners know what dyslexia is mm-hmm. because it's, t- it's talked a lot about. But right. dyscalculia, how do you say that word? Apparently, I say it the British way, dyscalculia. Oh. Um, but, oh, okay. I, but it's also dyscalcula, I think, is also just another way of saying it. But the person okay. who did our testing had the most amazing Irish accent, and she said nice. dyscalculia. So I'm all okay. about that. Um, <laughs> so that and dysgraphia, explain those. So dyscalculia is a problem with numeracy. And really, it's not, uh, you know how some people think that dysgraphia, or that Dyslexia is, oh, when you look at letters, they're all scrambled, and that's not really it's what not it totally is. not true. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, people think the same about dyscalculia, and again, that's not totally true. Um, there's a lo- much larger portion of the population that has dyscalculia than people realize. It's not being able to grasp numeracy in general. Um, so if you have a kid, perhaps, who can sit in front of a pile of 10 M&Ms, and you ask them when they're, you know, two years old, how many are there? They might say a hundred, mm-hmm. right? But if you ask your seven or eight-year-old, they're going to get, if they don't get 10 right off the bat, they're going to get pretty close, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. A person who has dyscalculia really would struggle with giving that an amount. Those mm-hmm. number values that we assign to things, they just don't quite grasp them. And then that sets the stage for them not understanding um, how to do any kind of mathematical process. Because if you don't understand numeracy to start with, then when you start getting into things like formulas, you're kind of lost. Fractions, yeah. fractions are impossible. If you don't understand what 10 really means, then yeah. to asking you to give me half of 10, it doesn't have wow. any real value. Um, yeah. So that's what dyscalculia is. Um, and it's in a practical sense with a, a elementary school kid, it looks like doing a lot more hands-on um, and, and working backwards to kind of build that numeracy that they never actually developed, um, that one-to-one correspondence and, and mm-hmm. things of that nature. Dysgraphia is the writing and thought process version of dyslexia. Okay. So. Whereas dyslexia mostly impacts what goes in, dysgraphia mm-hmm. impacts what goes out. Oh, wow. So for my son, that looks like um, when he's writing, he misses entire words. Okay. Um, understanding that a sentence is a complete thought is very difficult. You know, he mm-hmm. can't quite grasp, well, that is a complete thought. Well, it was a complete thought in your head. It's mm-hmm. not a complete thought in the paper. Um, okay. So they're all they're all really linked, and they're all just processing issues yeah. uh, that we've broken down into different labels and names. Okay. So with all of the special needs that John Mark has, how have you helped him to learn? What processes have you used? What curriculum? Anything? How do you teach yeah. him? So um, between John Mark and Finn, but primarily. Um, a combination of both. Um, I learned that m- this goes back to that idea of um, changing as our kids' needs change and mm-hmm. as we go along on the journey. Um, my tendency to be much more free form and to have a very 
relaxed schedule and kind of a rhythm of homeschooling um, had to change. Uh, Both of them, but John Mark especially, needs to have structure. Um, Structure is huge for him. It helps him to put order uh, to his thought processes. And I found that for him, helping him with the order, giving him names for things, classifying things, giving him um, memory devices, that has been absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, uh, an example of that was, you know, he really struggled when he was learning to read to understand why, um, you know, sometimes C makes a s sound and sometimes mm-hmm. it makes a k sound. Yes. And so, you know, I took the word circus and I had to make up a little rhyme to go along with it. And, and we drilled that rhyme, not the sounds, but the rhyme solid for two weeks so that that could become something that kind of got in his brain and gave him a kind of a memory peg of, okay, when I come upon a word like this, I I use this to, to break it down. Um, So I've had to find things that do lean much more towards structure um, and much more towards uh, formulas and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. It does not come naturally for me. Um, mm-hmm. For example, you know, we are part of a CC community and have been for four years. Prior to that, um, and that coincides with John Mark's diagnosis, mm-hmm. prior to that, we had never been part of any co-op because I just kind of was like, you life school. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that did not work for that child. Um, it, it just, it was a detriment to him. Hmm. Um, so that's the biggest thing is, is being willing to step back and say, how can I be what this child needs in this season and, and help him to grow? So, Hmm. so that was step one was figuring out that he needed the structure. Um, you know, in terms of actually uh, an actual curriculum, mm-hmm. uh, so for his, in dealing with dyslexia, we did a lot of work. I have a cousin who's an Orton-Gillingham tutor. Okay. And she was amazing in terms of resources. Um, if you can find someone who is a tutor, I, I, I highly recommend it because they do so much work that doesn't look like you are teaching a child to read, Mm. but you are, you're Mm. actually, again, giving them those supports and helping to train their brain in a way that, you know, maybe you and I don't need that training, but it just, it backs up everything for them. It just remediates everything. Um, So working with her was instrumental. It it really and truly was. Um, She recommended a lot of books. There was this one, I remember, um, called Sounds Abound. And it was very similar to, um, uh, now I've lost the name of it. It's Explode, uh, Explore the Code. Explode, Explode the, the code. code. Explode the That's Code. That's it. That's yes. what it is, yeah. It's a, but it breaks, it, breaking words down into these chunks and kind of okay. going through things like that in ways that a lot of kids just don't need. Or maybe they need it in the beginning and then they just scoop on past that, you know, mm-hmm. they just kind of start there and they're like, oh yeah, Anne, A-N says Anne, got it, move on. Well, mm-hmm. if you have a child with dyslexia, you may be reminding them A-N means Anne, 
when they're 12. Yeah. You know, it just may, it may need to be, but I'm telling you the Orton Gillingham approach really was, was huge in, in helping him kind of cross that bridge. Okay. Um, we also, in terms of uh, his math issues, dyscalculia, there is a, um, there's a woman in England who has a series of books and website and games. Um, her name is Ronit Bird, R-O-N-I-T, Bird. Um, and I cannot recommend her dyscalculia toolkit enough. Um, literally, for the most part, it's games which is amazing for kids who have struggled and struggled and struggled with math because they can finally feel successful, which mm -hmm. is half of her strategy, making them successful. But wow. in the process, they're doing things that on the surface seem so easy. You start out with um, uh, dominoes mm -hmm. and you know she literally teaches them, when you see dots in this pattern, this means five. Hmm. And that seems like a small wow. thing to us, but to a child who needs to learn how to classify numbers and to group them so that they can move on and someday be able to say, ah, five fives is 25. This is yeah. huge. They have yeah. to understand what five is first. Um, so I love her stuff. Absolutely love it. Um, it is, I, and I would do it with a child of any age, honestly, even if I had, you know, a, a 15 year old that I suddenly realized was kind of had some gaps in there. Mm -hmm. This stuff is not, it's easy but it's not babyish. And yeah. that often is kind of the sticking point when you're dealing with kids as they're getting towards their later elementary, you know, middle school years. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff is just for younger kids and they feel spoken down to. So yeah. her stuff is not like that um, at all. Um, and in terms of dysgraphia, this sounds completely counter to everything that, that one would expect. Um, but teaching John Mark how to diagram sentences. Really? Old school, break it down. Wow. <laughs> this is a direct object. This is the, you know, <laughs> I, wow, I mean. Wow, that's interesting. It, it really is because what it's done is it's given him a visual Mm -hmm. to go along with what a sentence is. Oh, wow. Ah, yeah. And, and someone had mentioned that to me and I thought, oh man, I mean, I remember doing that and it was not helpful and it was just <laughs> busy work and it was horrible and I've yeah. never used it. Object, yeah. compliment, noun. I've never used that in my entire life. <laughs> well, guess what? I can sit there and I can, if John Mark writes a sentence, I can say, okay, now we're going to diagram this. Yeah. And then I can say, oh, wait, something is missing. And he can look mm. at it and go, there's no verb. Oh, wow. And really then we can say, ah, but there was one in your head. What was it? Mm -hmm. Fill it in, you know, put it. So it's a daily exercise, um, but it doesn't cost anything. Mm -hmm. um, except for my brain cells in remembering how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but a lot of, a lot of the popular uh, writing curriculum and things like that really do not seem to help a lot of dysgraphic kids. Hmm. Um, at least in so far as I've, I've experienced personally, um, you know, it really is a matter of uh, helping them, through editing and things mm -hmm. of that nature, rather than just um, being able to remediate, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting about the diagramming. 
Because I, yeah. with with my oldest, now she's the one who's very proficient. And I and the grammar program we used last year um, that I wanted to just keep using until we were to, like, go through the whole thing because she loved the first two years of it. We got to last year's level and it was all diagramming. And she was, I mean, it was, caused so much strife in our family that yeah. this year yeah. I was like, I can't even with it. Like, I yeah. just can't. Yeah. I loved it personally. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved the process of the diagramming and learning all about all that. I mean, I don't remember that in school. I'm sure my mom mm-hmm. taught me, but I don't remember that at all. <laughs> well, it so- doesn't have as big of a practical application. So I think a lot of people mm-hmm. don't do it. And I totally get that. Um, yeah. But when you have a kid that that just doesn't grasp what those laws of writing are. Yeah. Giving wow. them a different way to approach it, something mm-hmm. outside of just the words. You know, for him, words, again, it's that symbol doesn't really necessarily translate to much. Mm-hmm. So you have to give them another way to see it. Does he see things well in pictures if words are a struggle and numbers are a struggle? Do pictures yeah, he, make more sense? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, he also is very musical. Here's a, a really mm. cool thing. Um, we, we realized that he had more of a musical bent and um, we bit the bullet and uh, gave, got him a cello instructor. Oh, wow. And I have other kids who, who play other stringed instruments, but um, anyhow, we got a cello instructor and uh, we had looked because of his learning challenges, we honestly hadn't done um, the musical alphabet. We hadn't done, you know, note reading, things like that. Because, man, when you're still sitting there trying to teach a kid how to read a book, the last thing yeah. you want to do is take on, and now let's learn a completely different way of reading. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, so it was something that I did reluctantly, but I'm so glad that we did. Um, it makes sense to him in a way that reading words does not. Mm. Um, I highly recommend it because he is super successful. It came so easily to him. He's mm. flown through. Um, he's on his third Suzuki book in wow. a year and a half, which is yeah. I did Suzuki piano and I, I took lessons for like 10 years and quit like second song into the third book. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. So you understand that's just like, it's insane. I mean, the kid, and he just hears things. And so this has been such a blessing because we can now look at him and we can say, I know this is hard, but you know what? This is your weakness. Now, what is your strength? Mm. And He's got that younger sister that I mentioned mm-hmm. who just flies past him and everything else. Well, she plays violin. She's been, she's been playing five years now. She just started book three. Oh, um, wow. And so we're like, um, hello, you rock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is your superpower. That's what we call him here in our house. Yeah. What's your superpower? You know? Oh, um, and he does so great. And the best thing is actually that his, his uh, cello instructor is dyslexic. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. And so the two of them, like it, it, it has been so good. I would actually highly recommend if you do have a kid that struggles um, with any kind of, of learning challenge, if you do know of someone in your circle of friends, family, mentors, whatever you have, see if they would be willing 
to kind of take your kid under their wing a little mm-hmm. bit and, and show them that this is not who they are. It's, it's a piece of the puzzle, mm-hmm. but they're amazing. They're amazing. They're just different amazing. They yeah. have their own superpower. Oh, that's great. Oh, Heather, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Before I let you go, mm-hmm. would you give the parents some word of encouragement? I mean, to me, this whole conversation has been encouragement, but what would you say to the parent of a special needs child? Uh, I would definitely say that, first of all, as I said earlier, it, it's not about you. You didn't do anything wrong. Um, and there's nothing you're going to do so amazingly right that's going to quote unquote fix your child. There's nothing to be fixed. They're just different. And when you start looking at it that way and you start leaning into who are they and, and how can I best give them the tools to succeed as they are, mm-hmm. it completely changes your perspective and frees you to dive in and to invest all of that time and, and all of those resources that you are going to have to invest. You, you have to. Yeah. Um, so I say that first and foremost, it, you know, remove yourself somewhat from the equation, but also these kids can be completely successful adults. You just have to ask yourself, what is success? Mm-hmm. Success for everybody isn't, you know, becoming a lawyer and having some multi-million dollar house. There's yeah. so much more to life. The other day I had a conversation with Phineas's um, occupational therapist and she is one of his biggest fans and she mm-hmm. is such an amazing part of his team. And um, she sees kids that are you know, in the same kind of spectrum area as Finn, Mm -hmm. these kids who would be rated as, you know, more likely to quote unquote succeed and less likely to succeed. But she encouraged me by saying that what she sees in Finn is a happy, well-adjusted child who doesn't doubt his worth and who has an appreciation and a love of life and other people that you can't learn in a classroom. Wow. That's not something that anybody could teach him. It's something that he lives every day through being at home with the people who love him most. Yeah. And that, that's worth so much more than getting a kid to understand algebra yeah. Or, <laughs> or, or making sure that they are reading on level, you mm-hmm. know, and, and those are great goals. I'm not saying that they're not, they're amazing goals. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But really, if you had to take one or the other, I would, I would take the person who is confident in who they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Oh, Thank you so much. <laughs> this has been Oh, a, you're so welcome. Thank you for talking with me. Yeah. If any of my listeners want to reach out to you, do you have a way they can get a hold of you? Yeah, we um my family has a blog. It's www.tosoaseed.net. Um I'm on Instagram, tosoaseed, and we also accept any and all emails of people just wanting perspective, encouragement, etc. Um, at Schwarzen, S-C-H-W-A-R-Z-E-N, family missions 
at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Listeners, I'll have these uh, links and email put into the show notes so you can check back there for those. Thank you again, Heather, so much for being part of this episode and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for letting me just share what has happened in our family and our journey. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm blessed by it. So thank you. And that was the end of my interview with Heather. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I did. If you have a homeschool story that you think my listeners would enjoy and you'd like to share it, please feel free to reach out to me on any of my social media platforms, either Facebook or Instagram at 4 Podcast, or on Twitter at 4 Pod, or you can find me on my website, 4 Podcast.com. To find out more about Heather, be sure to check our show notes for links to her website. Again, that was to sowaseed.net and also follow her on Instagram at two underscore so underscore a underscore seed. I will put those as well as your email address in the show notes so you can be sure to get a hold of Heather. Now a personal note real quick about how the COVID-19 and the social distancing has affected my family and how that's going to affect the podcast. Just wanted to let you know that I um, am a private music tutor, and I've been giving lessons in a studio in person uh, for a few years now. The studio has had to lay us off as teachers at the store and only allow for online lessons. We are currently trying to build our online presence and our online lessons with our students back up so that we don't have to close the store entirely and for good. It's been a really stressful time for us and as a music store, and we've been trying to do everything we can to um, everything we can to stay afloat. My the owner of the store, my boss Linda, is in the process of doing everything she can, and I. But also in that, I am attempting to help out by coming up with innovative ways to make money online for the store so that we can reopen our doors when this virus has passed. Also, because of the state where we live and the orders from our governor, my husband's job has been shut down. He works in construction and they've shut down all contractors and subcontractors until further notice. So my family and I find ourselves So my husband and I find ourselves in the position of needing to be very creative in ways to make money. That said, podcasting does not bring in enough money for me to focus on it full time. So I won't be able to put out episodes every week like I was in January and February. I've gone back to my every other week schedule for the time being. And if by chance I happen to miss an episode, don't worry, I'm probably still working on it. I just have other projects that I've been working on that will help my family get food on the table during this intense time. So in other news, one of the things that I am going to continue with is the my first Four and Toe podcast homeschool conference I'm calling it the Parent-Teacher Conference. Now, originally, I was going to do this conference live 
in person uh, in Western Pennsylvania. However, in light of the new developments, the keynote speaker, Gene Miller, and myself have made the decision to put the conference, the entire conference, not just her keynote speech, but the entire conference online. This opens up a lot of doors. It closes some, clearly, but we are hoping to invite a national or an even international audience to this conference. The goal of the Parent-Teacher Conference is to encourage and inspire parents on their homeschool journeys. Now, we understand that right now, especially in the United States, there are a lot of people who are doing forced homeschooling or mandatory homeschooling, depending on how you look at it. And we want to be an encouragement to you. We also want to be an encouragement to families who are seriously considering homeschooling beyond the epidemic. And we also want to be an encouragement to families who have been homeschooling already and maybe just need a little bit of fresh fire or a little bit more encouragement as we continue our journeys of homeschooling in this new world. The conference will be held on April 18th, 2020, and it will be held online on Zoom, which is a video conferencing website. The cost of the conference will be $20, and you can register by going to forintopodcast.com backslash conference. In addition to the webinar, you will also have access to a private Facebook group where Jean and I will be available for commenting and talking and sharing stories there, as well as a used curriculum sale online. If this sounds like something you would like to attend, please go check out forintopodcast.com backslash conference and get registered today. Be sure to share this information with your friends as well. We are trying to get the word out about this new and exciting conference. I know that this last couple of weeks has been intense. So more than ever, I truly do mean it. As we go into this next week, look yourself in the mirror and remind yourself, Mama, you've got this.